Welcome to Humanly Possible, a vlog and podcast series focused on the game-changing potential of creating human-centric workplaces. On this episode, we're joined by Ron Thurston, best-selling author of Retail Pride and Vice President of Stores at Intermix. With over 25 years of retail experience and building brands such as Saint Laurent, Tory Burch, Apple, and Bonobos, Ron shares a unique perspective about the importance of creating and celebrating pride in an industry that employs millions of people and drives a massive portion of our economy. We talk about leadership lessons, creating an environment of pride and joy at work, and the personal human fulfillment experience when individuals take pride in the work they do. Welcome to Humanly Possible. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited to have this conversation, Angela. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Rod, I'm really excited because you and I just had a chance to meet. We got introduced through a mutual friend, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to invite you to the podcast uh, to talk about, first of all, yourself. You have a really interesting background, but tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, professionally, and then also what makes you human. Thank you. Um, so. I love this idea of an audience that's not just retailers, because you know, as, as a retail leader, you know, I think this conversation is about celebrating pride in what we do as humans, but specifically to my industry. So my background for the last three decades has been all retail. So I, st I studied retail administration and fashion design. I thought I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And I was for several years early, early on, but then I discovered retail at Gap Kids of all place in like the early 90s and grew a, a 10 year kind of span um, with Gap through sales, management, multi-store leadership. Um, I worked on the corporate visual team and had just this incredible career that also had through other brands so I was at Banana Republic for a while. I worked at Outlet for a while. I did all of this work. And then, you know, kind of said, I have a really solid background in leadership. I've learned a lot about kind of culture. I want to take that and grow my career. So I helped build some brands, um, helped kind of start Tory Birch early on. I opened all the stores for Tory on the West Coast. Um, I ran all the Apple stores in Texas and Houston. Um, for a while when early iPhone years and I to kind of learning what like high volume, high traffic craziness looks like in retail. Uh, I uh, moved here to New York to help launch Bonobos, which is a men's brand with a really unique retail concept. Uh, and then I ran Saint Laurent for a couple of years for both North and South America. Um, and today I run Intermix, which is a division of Gap Inc. So I'm back at kind of where I've started, full the circle. smallest full circle. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the luxury um, multi-brand women's division of Gap Inc. And so to be back and have learned so much about people on that journey, uh, which was really the inspiration for my book um, to be able to say, here's an enormous industry that employs millions and millions of people. And depending on which statistics you read and you know 2020 will shift it a bit is the biggest private sector employer in the country you know most countries in the world it's in the top three and one in three people 
have their first job in retail. So you have all of these statistics that say, here's a gigantic industry that's not always celebrated and recognized in the way that it should. And through all of these years of work and all the people I've met and all the stores I've opened, I just said there needs to be a resource that is rooted in pride that says, I'm proud to do what I do and that I'm successful at it and I'm engaged and I'm moving my career forward that isn't often told to them. And I've heard it myself. There's always this conversation. If you studied something, when are you going to get a different career? When are you going to stop working nights and weekends? When are you going to get that like dream office job? But if you meet people in retail who run stores or great sales teams, great stock managers, they love being in the store. They have no interest in an office job, but they aren't always told that it's okay. Mm. And I wanted to say, you, as a human, you are okay. This is great what you're doing. I wanna celebrate you. I wanna recognize you and really lift up an industry that's been pretty battered for a long time, but also provide context that they are, their, their impact in the economy mm. and in the influence on, on how people perceive a brand is enormous. And to, to say that it, I, I am making a positive impact on thousands of people and a, a multi-million dollar brand or run a multi-million dollar business I, and I keep my economy going. All, all of that, I know it's a long answer to your question, but it's all part of this kind of celebrating an industry that is not always celebrated. Yeah, and I, you brought up something that resonated with me, which is kind of this awareness that, that the footprint, right? And I think from, a, from an organizational perspective, the, the grand responsibility of the leaders in retail to, right. I always like to say, to send um, happy humans home right? <laughs> and to have a sense of pride when you're at work, because if you're prideful at work, you're going home and you're, you're exuding that into your family unit, into your society, into your community. And what a grand responsibility. That is. I 100% agree. And I would say, you know, when you think about the statistic of, of one in three people, it's their first job. So as a leader, you know, when I, when I was you know, a store manager, we'll just say, I knew that my responsibility to these people that was their first job, that I created an environment that they went home to their parents and their parents said, you know, how was, how was your first day at work? How was, you know, and to grandparents, I just, you have this vision of like being 17 and everyone in your family is asking you about your first job. Like, what did they say? Like, what, what did you create that, at 17, you're making an impact on their future career or their perception of the workplace. Like that, I take huge responsibility in that because if, if you don't do it well, they immediately have this sense of, you know, that, that, the, that work is not always something to be celebrated mm. and particularly working in retail. So I, I love that, like sending happy humans home. I think that's a great, yeah. great it's, way to it's, think it's, about it. It's absolutely a responsibility. And I think uh, for, you know, for everybody, right? I mean, I, I talk about leaders, but I think also, you know, your fellow colleagues and 
uh, you know, how are you, how are you creating that environment and, and stepping up as a leader, regardless of your role to in, institute that pride in your team and your, uh, in your unit. Right. Yeah. So much. And, and the joy that comes from that mm. is, um, so personally rewarding. And I think what, what is somewhat unique, you know, about my industry is that there's such a, uh, a level of connectivity and networking that can happen that those relationships actually carry on for years to come. The person that introduced us, you know, is a retailer and who we never worked in the same industry, but she wanted to meet me and I you know, knew that she was someone I wanted to stay connected to. That's very unique here. So you take those, all, all those different levels of people, put them together and then continue the journey forward. Uh, that, that is uniquely human. What do you think, so I know we talked about the mentality, right? Like, you know, this is thinking about the happy human going home. That's a mentality. Yeah. How do, how can retail, how can any organization create more of that humanness and that sense of pride within, within the workplace or within their store or within their, uh, with, wherever that workplace is? So in the, in the book, I talk about kind of three pillars of retail success that I, I say it's retail success, but I really just think it's success and human success. So the first one's empathy. So anyone listening to this would say, sure, empathy, but 2020 brought a level of empathy in the workplace that is so necessary and put a lot of us in really emotional leadership spots that we'd never been in before, me included. Whether you're putting people on furlough, you're laying off teams, you have very ill employees, or I didn't have this situation, but if you had employees and family members that passed away, I mean, this situation is very grave for a lot of people. And so there's a level of empathy in the workplace required by leaders that is at a level that's never been required before. So I would say it was always important. It's, it's a critical competency today to learn to lead with empathy and to think about what's happening in someone's environment. You know, whether, how they're potentially working from home, how are, and the kids are home and everybody's home. Actually, where is your home? Like, do you have resources to do that? Do you like, it, it's so complex. So I, empathy was always one. The second was curiosity. So I think that level of learning, asking great questions, being, being able to listen, but listen with the intent to act on what you learn. Mm. Um, curious about your industry, curious about people, curious about people that work in your industry, um, you know, the history of it, all of it. You know, I find people who are highly curious to be super interesting because they have like nuggets of information or they have learned things that don't just follow in their journey. Mm. Um, and that I think is a critical competency. Um, and then I'd say focus is the third. So in retail, it's easy to say it's that you can be distracted because, you know, shipments coming in the back door, customers coming in the front door, with phones ringing, someone's calling in sick, <laughs> you know, you have a new directive and a conference call or a Zoom, you have all of this coming at you at the same time. You actually have to learn how to focus to get your work done. 
but as a human, I also think, you know, how do you focus your time to get things accomplished, to say, I need to schedule maybe, you know, unproductive time, you, you have buckets for that. What is kind of your, your safe space to get great downtime? All of it, because it makes you a better leader. Um, so that kind of combination. Yeah, we're, we're just not good at not being focused. That's one thing I've learned too. Right. I am an aspiring multitasker, <laughs> but I'm not good at it. And I don't know anyone who's actually good at it. <laughs> so I, it's hard, I think for all of us too. And, and one of, I think the positive outcomes of the last nine months is our ability to actually get more done. Mm. I would say it's a positive, you know, even for myself, it's, you know, the writing a book or, you know, having, having different responsibilities that are bigger than you could do if you weren't home being able to multitask. But you're right, then downtime becomes even more important because our productivity is actually really high right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. and we're realizing we can be, uh, we can be effective in, in different ways. And I know retail is, and I actually wanted to ask you uh, kind of a little bit off the topic, but what is the future of retail, do you think? I mean, this has to do with teams, obviously, and working together, but what do you see the, the future of retail being given we're now in this kind of future of work age and future of consuming and buying. What does that look like? So when we think about great brick and mortar retail, the entire intent is to build relationships and create an experience that can't be replicated on a website. So, and that was true pre-COVID. Today, I would say we've all learned maybe how to shop online more. We've had to survive only shopping online. We're not shopping at all. And you know, maybe the apparel industry has suffered the most because of it. We're not buying as many clothes today, um, certainly in the luxury space. But the future of retail is very much about connectivity and people and education and experience and all the things that we love about it have actually become even more important. And we, as, as humans, we need that connectivity. We need that interaction. We crave like that tribal mentality. We wanna go see the people that we know. We wanna engage with each other and learn. Um, and I'd love just the fitting room experience, you know, of just saying, I wanna try on clothes. I want someone to tell me that I look great in this. Like all of that is not gonna happen on a website. So there's a lot of technology, but it doesn't replace the store. You know, I heard somebody say, because uh, I, I, it's kind of similar with the workplace, right? And so I work kind of in the HR workplace space. And, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about the same things, which is people mm -hmm. are working from home, but people still want to come in the office. And people naturally, yes, we could work from home, but there's this, um, there's this connection that's missing. Mm -hmm. Not missing, but there's, there's gaps. Um, and Someone told, I can't remember who told me this analogy. I wish I could quote them. But they, they said, you can eat at home, but you go to a restaurant for an experience. Yeah. And it sounds like it's the same thing with retail, right? You could shop at home, but there's something, there's something special that you're getting. And I'm sure retail as, a, as an industry is thinking about how do we elevate that now that people are so used to shopping online. Right. They can eat at home, but what are we going to offer once they come in physically to visit us. It's, it's, the, it's the same, you know, and that, 
and retail is really for many brands the 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 ultimate expression of what they are trying to communicate so a great website is fine or a great social media account but if you want to build a brand you'd mm -hmm. say i want to understand the creative director's vision for the store experience i want to i want to see how the merchandise is is laid out together what how how does the store feel what do you touch what do you hear like what do you smell what's the full immersive experience and that only happens in the store and then you layer on great people and you build this connection and all of that's the magic and it's also where it falls apart because you could have the most beautiful store and the great product and really terrible people and and your money is not well spent so i that's why i put this kind of human experience at the top of retail because you could also have you know a, a mediocre store or you know kind of talk about price and but the experience of the interaction you had was so incredible that it's so much more memorable that way and that's the that's where that real like heart and soul of retail will never be replaced never there's nothing you can do on amazon to make it feel like a great store experience mm -hmm. no one goes to a dinner party and talks about shopping on amazon that's true yeah, they don't. <laughs> talk about the great people that you that you meet along the way hmm. yeah I, I like the word expression because to me that that kind of fits in with the pride elements Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, pride is really just an expression of, of heart, you know, it's, it's, it's an expression of passion and heart. And yeah. so how do you think, how do you think pride is going to show up, um, again, this new age future of work? How do you think that's going to show up with hiring, building capability in retail team members? How do you think that's, that shift is going to evolve? I think we will put the priority of people and the demand for the best expression to your word of hiring the exact right people even higher on the list. Because what has happened in many cases is that the overall revenue stream into brick and mortar has declined and the number of store, the store locations has shrunken. We know that store, there has been, there have been a lot of closures this year some not um, not unexpected, some big chains that have probably been dragging along too long or gone, but there's this whole other like resurgence of really great brick and mortar retail happening. So mm. the news can really throw you off of big chains starting to close, but mm. there is a whole resurgence of really great retail. And that kind of mentality of right people, great locations, great, kind of version of whatever that is in of the store is more relevant than ever. And so when I say there's actually never been a more important time to work in retail, people think I'm insane. I'm like, <laughs> but you don't understand. Like this is the future is people getting back into stores and having this experience with each other that people are really missing. They're missing seeing their family, they're missing seeing their friends, they're missing shopping and they want to do it they will when people are ready to do it again and can do it safely we we will be ready and we will be great and then you're like 
wow, I really miss this. And that's, <laughs> I already I, like, <laughs> I get so excited about thinking about getting back in stores or great restaurants or the things that we've all missed. That yeah. for me is going to be fun. Yeah, I, you bring up a great point. There's going to be a kind of this, uh, this, this excitement to, to get back. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's almost like we'll probably be more connected more than ever. And then we'll use our technology as an enabler, right? We'll use it to, to elevate where we need to, but nothing can elevate direct human connection. And that's something that I think we've learned during this pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah, we have. And we've had to lead through adversity. You know, so if you think about kind of culture, culture and values mm -hmm. in, a, in a difficult financial situation and kind of what I, what I have said, it's not in the book, but you know, the great culture should not be dictated by great results. And that if your company had a great culture when business was booming and you had money to spend and you had all of this um, like opportunities to recognize people but it was all financial based. Mm. Well, now we actually don't have that money and we don't have great results in many cases. What are we celebrating? Are we celebrating behavior? We're celebrating relationships. We are, if you've set kind of a culture and values of, you know, examples of what, like act like an entrepreneur, if that is one of your company values, then you can act like an entrepreneur and exhibit that behavior and celebrate that. It's, I do think, but that culture shouldn't change because we've had the worst year ever. Yeah. It's actually our culture should be stronger. Our culture should be more people centric. Our, our culture should be more empathetic because when business gets good, we're going to like crush it. And I, I don't think that that is happening everywhere. I think as all the finance, financial implications have been stripped away, so has culture in some mm -hmm. cases. Mm. And it's something I think we should all just be aware of. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, you and I talked about before the cause we were kind of setting up was this idea of uh, culture coming from this like groundswell. And it's not like, it's not like this big corporate transformation. You know, I think a lot of people think of culture as, you know, executives sit in a room, they talk about values and behaviors and they cascade it down and everyone says, yeah, that sounds great. And then you've got culture. Right. <laughs> uh, it's really the, the, the culmination of all the actions, behaviors, and how we hold people accountable ultimately in the decisions we make. So you're right, financials has nothing to do with that. Now, if obviously you were, if you pick profit over people, that would say something big about your culture. Yeah. Um, but what, um, how do you create, I know that's, this is a tough question, so I'm going to apologize in advance. Yeah. How do you create that groundswell? I know a lot of it's organic, but as a leader, how can one set up the right structures, the right tone for that type of groundswell culture? Yeah. I for me, the, the groundswell comes from like the, the biggest population of, of, of an industry. So if you can get everybody bought in, then the groundswell begins, you know, if I can speak to my own industry and in retail, if you can get everyone in every store to buy into to your vision, 
and you're very transparent about what you stand for. You know, so I, I do put that as kind of a high leadership competency is be really transparent when it's really good and when it's not really good and say, I'm going to take you on a journey with me. I mean, this is, I can kind of speak for my own leadership when I've joined new companies and I'd say, okay, you've had really bad years for a few years. I'm, you are going to go on a journey with me to success and I need you to trust me. I need you to kind of follow along as much as you believe, but know that I will be transparent. I will act based on your feedback. I'll listen and learn and not make decisions in, in silo. And we're gonna do this together. And, and then live by your words. Mm -hmm. And so what I have done and continue to do is say, then we're gonna actually communicate more. I'm gonna put everyone on Zoom once a week and we're gonna say, let's create a baseline. And then this week one, where are we? Week two, where are we? Who's winning, who's not? And you continue this momentum forward of who's making progress and going on the journey and who's not. And who, that groundswell then begins to, to say, I believe in this guy, I believe in this leader, I, but then you never give up and you never stop. And that can actually create momentum in a business that can lead to success. But it does take, it, it takes a lot of energy on the leader's part to do that because you can't just give a directive and then go back in the office. You have to be the face of, of the people and to know that you are there to help them move forward. And I, I like highly energized by that. Doesn't mean you will always win, but it does mean that if you have the ability to get people to trust you because you've acted with integrity, incredible things can happen. So transparency, do mm -hmm. what you say you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the, the ability to say, I don't know. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, leaders sometimes think that they need to know everything. And mm -hmm. so they put themselves in positions where, you know, they're uh, scrambling for answers and, and, and stressing themselves out. But really, leaders need to come across human too. I think yeah. if you want your team to come across as human and open and vulnerable, you have to do the same because they're going to role model that type of behavior. And they're probably going to be more likely to, you know, say something when something's not right or they make a mistake. And that just also yeah. creates yeah. the momentum you need too. It's so, so funny because I feel like I've been more human in the last nine months on, on calls than I've ever been. And, you know, I've definitely had some tears and definitely um, have had to make really tough decisions. And, but with the intent of, you know, if I, if I, I did, I had to put 400 people on furlough in April. And that's not a fun phone call. Um, and people have had to do much larger situations or more layoffs and some of that. But what I said to them is, if I'm the only one left here, everyone's going to go on furlough except me. And, but my only goal now until you come back is, is to get you back to work, whatever I need to do. And so every store reopened in the country for me, I got everybody back to work and not all at the same time because it was kind of state dictated as you remember, mm -hmm. but 
you know, but I, but I kept my word. And I think that that was important for them to come back into a business and say, it's a difficult situation to walk back into, but I did the work to the best of my ability to get them back making money again. And I also recognize that's not everyone's situation. Um, but for me, that's, that was um, just part of the, part of my experience of last year. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you also, you know, you're concerned with the, the, the humans on the other side, right? The, you know, you mm -hmm. can't help but think about how this is going to impact their families and their livelihood. And so, right. yeah, I think this has been a, <laughs> I too have been more human now, I think in, in and vulnerable and, and all those things. And, and I think we've been kind of given a, like a permission slip a little bit. For some reason in the past, we didn't feel like we had that permission slip, but now because we kind of see people as humans, it's, it's just, it's an interesting evolution that I'm starting to see kind of this awakening around the importance of recognizing what makes humans complex and educating leaders on how to deal with that. Because, you know, Traditional management does not incorporate the human <laughs> at all, really. It's all about widgets and process and delegating and those things are just they're good, but they're not, but they're not human and they're not, they don't take the whole human into account. It's it's so true. I would add kind of back around the groundswell, the other piece where you get the most success, or I've had the most success, is when you've made everyone feel important along the way. So everyone adds value on, on the team. Everyone has strengths and, and some you know, great competencies. No matter your role, every, it takes everyone in an organization and everyone adds value. You just add value in a different way. And I do think the new way to think about you know, skills is really not about this like, list of, you have to be good at these 10 things. You know, what are your two developmentals? it just doesn't feel modern enough for my own approach. Like, what do you, let's sit and talk. What are you, what do you love? What are you good at? How can I celebrate that? How can I bring out the best version of that? And not say, well, but here's the two things that you're not good at. I'm going to try to get you there. And I figured that out for myself pretty early that I'm very much like a, on the sales floor, I love to engage with customers. I love product and merchandising. I don't want to do inventory. I don't want to open and close the safe. Like there's just like a whole back of house ops thing mm. that I was never good at, but I knew how to hire great people to do that. So I do think leaders can recognize your strengths, recognize the strengths of people around them. And if, you, if that's how you're leading through everyone's strengths, it's not a new concept, but it seems new, a, a new way to think about leadership this year. And, yeah, and, and it, it does take a, a bit of skill, right, to say, this is the outcome I need. Now, how do I, based on, I know all my people are brilliant in different areas. How do mm -hmm. I, um, how do I make that sing in an orchestra? You know, like, it's right. all got to sound good together. That, that is a skill that you know, is not, it's not natural for everybody. So I think there's a bit of leadership development uh, and a new wave of leadership that needs to occur along with this wave of human centricity and people first. Completely agree. And how, how fun is that? Yeah. Yeah. You and I are going to have a blast the next 
20, 20, 30, 40 years, we're going to, yeah, I, I'm so looking forward to seeing that uh, manifest. Yeah, I, I really am too. And I think it's it required and necessary as we build, rebuild kind of our business back. Yes. Worldwide. Well, Ron, I could talk to you all day. You've been so wonderful and just such a great perspective, I think, with your background. And, and again, I, I, like I told you before, I, I like to bring on folks who are in this, who are building human-centered workplaces, but are in HR. So you're, you know, you're a leader and you're at the forefront of this work. So um, I'm so honored to have you on. And uh, you know, please buy Ron's book, Retail Pride. We'll make sure to put a, a link uh, so folks can purchase it and, and, and read all the, the great, and you have some really practical, I mean, it, it's a great read, it's an inspirational read, but there's real practical frameworks yeah. and actions for leaders and, and indiv individual contributors. I, it, it's wonderful. So please go out and get it. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. It was so much fun. Thank you, Ron.